Hello and welcome to the Complete Health Podcast, the podcast that brings you a complete view of everything healthcare, exercises, medicine, and a lot more. We're your hosts, Helen O'Leary and Reese Noble, physiotherapists at Complete Physio and Pilates in London. This is episode 15, the third part of our three-part chat with the psychotherapist Donovan Pyle. In this instalment with Donovan, he speaks about the psychological games people can play during their rehab and how as a therapist to deal with difficult personalities. Donovan also highlights tools that therapists can use to deal with the stress of not being able to help all people. And he also discussed how he uses and doesn't use goal setting with clients. Now, getting back on some kind of track here. (laughs) We see people obviously acutely during injuries. Mm. How important do you feel addressing... Because a trap I think I've probably fallen into over the years is that you we see someone from an injury, we assess the injury, all good, get them on a rehab plan, and then four or five sessions later realise that, oh shit, there's a few other layers to this. Mm. Um, how, how important do you feel addressing those factors is right from day dot, like right at the, the time the person walks in, so that you don't end up behind the eight ball for... for five sessions down the track. I think they have to trust you first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's important and that's not going to happen in the first session. No. Uh, we have to realize also people have probably been living with some this patient population probably for years and years. So whether you're two or three weeks down the line or a month down the lines, we'll be okay. Yeah. Because they've probably been living with anxiety and depression for years and years. So getting in to see someone four or five weeks later, that's it doesn't matter too much, but people are generally okay. It's different if someone's suicidal or someone's mm. self-harming or someone's putting themselves at risk or if they're manic, engaging in, in sort of unhealthy, life-threatening-ish behaviors, but you probably wouldn't see those people mm. anyway. They're, those people are probably too chaotic to kind of to sort of focus or keep their times or what have you. So I think the most important thing is people have to trust you. Yes. And then once they trust you, and you find out a bit more, you know, the people who break, who start crying in reception, <laughs> that'll give you a good indication. Good, good indication. Or you cry halfway through the Pilates yeah, session yeah. because they say it feels too painful when it's probably not anything too, too painful as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and I think there's, there's no perfect time to get someone into treatment or, or to see sort of psychological interventions. It's just, and maybe some people don't as well. Yeah, we're also assuming people probably want to get better psychologically and sometimes, as I said before, maybe people are too invested in their injuries as well. It's, maybe people get too, too, much, too many secondary gains by having this physical issue. I see with some of my depressed patients as well that you know, six months down the line, nothing's shifted, they're on medication, they're having therapy, they're still off work, still not ready to go to work. Part of them maybe is a bit too scared to go back to work or mm. reintegrate back into the world or what have you. So people have been doing these things for quite a number of years as well. So we're complex, aren't we? Yeah. Mm. We're complex. Not just pink sleeping bags. <laughs> Not just pink sleeping bags. <laughs> I like my pink sleeping bags. <laughs> I think that's the bit that is so fascinating to me but so scary. You know, I know how important this stuff is in treating people. Mm. 
uh, the amount of layers and mm. the rabbit hole that you could yeah. potentially go down with people. So there's part of me that wants to be like, I'm a physio, I just want to get people strong, moving, get them back mm. to what they want to do, but I fully understand that there are all these other layers. Mm. Um, that, so but do you think that always has to be that deep layer? Could they just have an injury and they're just treating it and they're just getting better and they're managing things quite well? And it's. Maybe I've had the history of injuries as well. Mm-hmm. That will give you an indication when it is to, if it's just a one off, mm-hmm. uh, how old people are as well coming yeah. into this injury as well. We, on balance, we'd see more people that. The psychosocial factors aren't the biggest factor. Mm. Like that, yeah, you get them in, you get them strong, you get them to do, and then uh, you discharge them, and that would be more. That would be the bigger percentage, I would say. I think in the studio, we probably get a relative 50-50 mix. So we get a yeah. lot of chronic pain. A lot of chronic pain. A lot of chronic pain. A lot of people from spinal consultants and stuff who have had these problems for a long time they can't mm. have anything and they you know they kind of got to the point where they can't do a lot of normal physical mm. activity or or they've given up this and they've given up access too much and then you know they're just not doing very much anymore more women than men um depends on the site so depends on our location um, but it is a, a yeah, it's probably a, a bit bit of a mix, and because we spend an hour with people, um, then you tend to find out quite a lot about them too. But I mean, I do think we, I do believe we get some of those people who are like, no, oh, I've just had an injury, and actually mm-hmm. must be good, and mm-hmm. this sort of sucks, oh, but actually yeah. I can deal with it, and now I am learning Japanese, yeah. um, and I think that does kind of happen as well. I mean, I always, I always would ask myself, well, how do I feel when the patient leaves the room? Okay, that's nice. That's quite important that if I'm drained and this is hard work and I'm feeling de skilled. Yep. Which often happens. Like, we've done this, we've done, I'm working, or well, I'll say to a patient in a session, like, I'm working way too hard. I'm asking you all these questions, you're not really giving me anything back. Mm. So I'm just going to take a bit of a step back and. I'll ask you a question and you can talk and if you do, you do, you don't, don't, or we can sit here quietly for 50 minutes or you can leave or what have you, but you're not really engaged in this, you're not giving me much, so I'm not going to do all the work here. So then let's flip that on its head. Yep. So you're a patient, listening yep. now. Yep. How do you know when you're that person? How do you know when you're that person? Yeah, how do you know when you're the person that's drained somebody? <sighs> I think often they'll, they'll play into games in sessions because either they don't want to be there they don't want to get better a bit pissed off at you you're not saying it right yeah. something's happened maybe in the last session that you asked them to do or well, something yeah, has happened yeah. Yeah, something happened. has <laughs> happened or something's going on in the room at the moment that you just can't sense or you can't pick up or they're not getting any better they don't know how to tell you they want to stop therapy or something like that mm-hmm. which, which happens which mm-hmm. is fine but Something's going on besides me just asking people questions and not getting anything back. And sometimes it's like, let's, this is hard work for me. <laughs> so let's just find out what's going on because I'll say to the patient, look, we've got another 45 minutes. You can sit here in silence. I can keep asking this and get really boring for both of us. So it's just really engaging. Yeah. And, and some people 
sort of, I don't want to say want to play games, because sometimes do play games in sessions, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm coming here every week and nothing's changing, or passive role for me, nothing's working, I'm not getting better, or you're not, not that they're trying to make you feel intentionally or consciously making you feel de-skilled, but something happens. Oh, and, and then how I feel when a patient leaves the room as well. Yeah. It's quite important. Yeah. It's interesting that dead skill sort of thing. Yeah, you say that that probably resonates a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes people walk out and you think, oh, that was hard yeah. work. Yeah. That was hard work. Yeah. And I'm doing all the work here. I'm drained. Like, Or you look in your diary and you see here and you're like, oh, your first reaction. Yeah, have that one too. <sighs> so every hard work. Every, every physio. <laughs> you know the patients who are going to do the hard work. We yeah. Don't have to more on your game. So, uh, so for the therapists out there listening, if you have a day like that, yeah. if you have that feeling of being de-skilled, being drained after a session, what's a good way to process that? Go for a run. Because <laughs> <laughs> so you like, rolled your ankle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Roller> blade. <laughs> you know, headband up. <laughs> I see a lot of people rollerblading around there. There's a lot more now, I feel, than there was before, yeah. I saw a guy flying around Richmond Park of all places on rollerblades the other day, and he was hooking. He was. I reckon I was going 45 k's now, and he passed me down the hill. He was flying. Maybe they had a tough session at work back He felt de-skilled. He felt de-skilled, that was it. That was his drive. But yeah, perfect. Being serious, exercise is something to obviously yeah, decompress. De yeah. What if exercise isn't your thing? Hopefully, you'll have a decent supervisor he can speak to. Yeah. Uh, but I think most importantly is just figuring out where to let it go. Mm. You'll get one or two patients, probably all of us, they get into your skin a little bit, and you think about them outside sessions. Mm. Uh, over time, I think the longer you do this type of work, the less that happens. Mm -hmm. I think over time, yeah, it happened a lot more in my earlier in my career when we think about people at the weekends or whatever else, but now I'm able to compartmentalize that. Three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah, no, oh. it has happened, but oh, yeah. over time, I think you just get better at letting, realizing this is work. Yes. You do what you can. Yeah, you do what you can. I know I do a good job, I do what I can, but you can't fix everyone, you can't yeah. solve everyone's problems. Uh, it's a bit of them and a bit of me. It's my responsibility in that as well. I'm not the most skilled therapist in the world. So I acknowledge my shortfalls as well, which we're going to wear on the hat, aren't we? I can go down this road of acceptance and wanting them to accept things, which is just makes it easy. Just give yourself a break. And then that conflicts with the fact of what we said before about being in these professions because we want to help people. Yeah, so that kind of challenges to challenge the other I mean, there's certain disorders, I'm just not very good at Yeah. Borderline personality disorders that are quite complex and I'm not very good at. Yeah. disorders I struggle a little bit okay. with. Uh, and I know that, and I'll try, uh, but I'm not an expert in those uh, disorders by any means. So. I feel like I've got better over my career, probably in the last few years, actually, of instead of persisting with someone when you're not helping them, just yeah. having that no, moment, having that moment. Yeah. instead of it taking 10 sessions to get yeah. to that moment of, yeah. I'm not helping this person. Yeah. Yeah. Three or four sessions, yeah, I'm not yeah, helping yeah. this person. Yeah. <clears throat> we probably need someone else's eyes or opinions or thoughts. Or yeah. So, generally, you know, by session three or four, yeah. whether it's going to carry on, it's yeah. going to happen, or they're going to disengage or mm -hmm. something. You get a sense, I think. Yeah, 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 I think you're right on that. Yeah, I think so. You just know. And 
and almost predict after session two whether people are going to continue to engage or they're not. So I think from that is, for me, as a, as a therapist, as a therapist listening to this, you're not going to help everyone. No. And don't get disheartened by that, mm. because it can be a really horrible feeling, because you, you do we want to help people, that's mm. our job. Mm. And some people you just, you can't help. Mm. And maybe getting comfortable and accepting mm. that as just an absolute fact. Mm. Um, and then having tools at your disposal to then deal with that and mm. be confident to refer off yeah. and chat to people and have the frank conversations of, mm. we're not getting anywhere here, yeah. I'm not helping you, maybe someone else. And, and I think for, for me that the ability to have that conversation with the person that you're seeing, I actually think is really important mm. as well because a lot of the time people will try and tap out and they'll just go, Suddenly someone else is seeing you next session. Mm -hmm. Suddenly magically yeah, got no availability. Yeah, yeah, and actually yeah. I don't think that helps either. And I think having the ability to sit there and go, I don't think I'm the right person for you. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I'm helping you as much mm -hmm. as you could be. I think you should go and see X person or Y and you know, whether that's a, a colleague or, or someone that you work with in mm -hmm. a wider team, I think is really, really important because I think that helps you as well. Mm. Helps the patient out as well, right? Yeah. Because they probably sense something anyway. And it's, it, it, it flags up the fact that something's happened, something isn't right, something has to change. Yeah. Hopefully, then they engage with someone else. Yeah. But I think it's potentially more ability to engage with somebody else. And that communicating of, I'm doing this to help you, not because I don't like you. Yeah. Yeah. Not because it's too hard or, yeah, like it's, it's, it's it's very much centered on them, mm. you know, and I'm 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 doing this because I'm trying to help you. Mm. It's, it's it's a tough conversation to have with some people. It Sometimes is. it really is getting comfortable with it is mm. somewhat difficult. Mm. Maybe I'm just heartless. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Sometimes, but when I look at patients, and I'm, we talked before about sort of dealing with conflict and interpersonal stuff, that you know, I'll say to people. Yeah. People have had things happen in their lives. Yeah. They can deal with a difficult conversation. Yes. They can cope with this. They can do divorces and deaths and all this stuff. They can deal with a difficult. In that moment, it might feel uncomfortable, mm -hmm. and your anxiety will go up. But after five or ten minutes, it will dissipate. Mm -hmm. You find it might feel uncomfortable physiologically. Mm -hmm. Your heart rate will go up. Mm -hmm. You'll get overwhelmed. You'll sweat. But mm -hmm. ten, fifteen minutes later, it will be in your history. You know, but you have to. Go through that. You can't avoid the anxiety. Yeah. You can't avoid the difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. But if you have that, you know, that'll give you sort of a good little bit of uh, kudos for going forward as well. You know, if, if I'm encouraging people to do that at, at work, I can be able to do that with patients as well. Yeah. You know, challenge them saying, why are you doing your homework? You're not engaged. You go through the motions here. Mm -hmm. uh, as well as encouraging people to tell me stuff. If you're not happy, tell me. If you don't want to continue, tell me. It has to be. Has to be two ways. I assume we don't have that much time in your half an hour sessions, or you probably have a little bit more time, right? Yeah, yeah. People can tell you when they're not. Yeah, definitely. People don't, <laughs> but I think if you give people permission, they can. Yeah, and I think I've always tried to make sure that we have that really honest uh, thing from the get go. Mm. And that's one of the things I say is, you know, I can't feel what you're feeling, so you need to be able to tell me that. Mm. I can get you to do an exercise, but 
if you're not loving it, if you don't like it, if it's causing you pain, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna feel that. Mm. So you have to be able to tell me. People don't, but as long people as don't. Can. But you've given you've given them that responsibility yeah. back to them, and then it's their choice whether somebody mm. actually tells you or not. It's, um, it's such an important part of our job, yes. and we're told it's an important part of our job, but as I said, 10 years down the track, I still don't feel like I do it particularly well. I'm getting better at it, definitely, mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, and just um, it's good to know that it's a normal part of yeah. even your job, and you're on the um, psychotherapy side of things, mm. and that's mm. the majority of your job, where it's, it's just part of our job, mm. isn't it? So yeah, it's interesting. It's an area I'm probably going to improve a little mm-hmm. bit. I'm a good supervisor. Chris Myers. Chris Myers. Myers. <laughs> so um, we're just going to keep rolling here because I'm actually really enjoying this. this. So the, the third sort of area we really wanted to get in with you, Donovan, mm-hmm. is something, again, which we're told as physios is super important and, and I 100% agree with it. it it's goal setting. Mm-hmm. Because if I guess the way I think about it is if you don't know what the end goal is, it, everything's just aimless. Like what are you, how are you directing anything if you don't know where you're trying to get to? Yeah. So for you, I mean, how important is goal setting in physical recovery, mental recovery, all yeah. of those types of things? I mean, I'll always say to people probably the first session or second session, and I'll be guided by you. You will know when you feel better. Uh, I will get an indication because You'll probably say at some stage, oh, I don't need to see you next week. How about two weeks? Oh, yeah. So that's good. So we don't need to meet. Progress. That's, that's progress. Yeah. See you in two weeks. Cool. We'll go, we'll go with two weeks. Uh, goal setting. I mean, it's people, when I say, what's your goal? They say, I want, I want to be happy. Ours is, I don't want to be in pain. Yeah. So that's yeah. it. That's the that's 90% answer. That's not a goal. That's a, don't, never have a goal that a dead man can have, right? Not be in pain. I call it dead man. I like that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna I use, use that. that. <laughs> <laughs> right, that dead man. Dead man not in pain, right? Because they're dead. We're yes. gonna put that in the notes. <laughs> show notes at the end. Uh, so you know, so and I would say, okay, well, if you are happy, what would be some indications that you're happy? I'll be dancing again. I'll be laughing a bit more. I'll see my friends a bit more. Yeah, that's. I'll go to sleep a bit better. I won't have this negative. I won't be stuck in this negative spiral with my thoughts. I won't be as angry or frustrated all the time. And then you're okay, well if you're not angry or frustrated, how would you look? Because emotions are quite hard to gauge, right? So if I'm, and then often it always will come back, well if I'm not angry, I won't shout at my kids. Or I won't shout at my two, or I won't get so agitated sitting in my car. So again, sometimes, unfortunately, probably emotions, or I won't have as bad dreams if it's PTSD, or I won't react to noises. And that would probably be as much time as I would spend on goals as well, in, in therapy as well, because CBT is quite goal-focused, mm. and we know goals are what motivates people. But I wouldn't have the big goal as the, what we want to focus on is probably more week-to-week. So what you're saying this week is uh, you're, you're struggling with, um, you're procrastinating the whole week. Okay, well, 
let's figure out this is a good How do you deal with procrastination? Since you brought that up, maybe you're a perfectionist. <laughs> so we then look at week by week goals. So what's the goal for this week? So we summarize at the end of the session and look at your homework, or we focus on this specific thing. Yeah. And I always figure it as a bit of a piece of a puzzle, but this is one little piece of the puzzle. This is another piece of the puzzle. This is here. This is here. Before we know, we got a little bit more of a, mm. a picture, but we probably won't have. We don't, so, and I say it sometimes it's there, but we don't know really where we're going with this. It's a bit of a sort of. I mean, with something like you guys, it's a bit more specific mm -hmm. because the mind is a little bit different than that. We don't know yeah. where we're trying to get to. We have some idea, but also, you know, there's cues you listen out for in sessions that you know when people are starting to might say, oh, I'm thinking about going on holiday in two months' time. So they're thinking about the future, they're not stressed by the future. Or I was thinking about uh, doing a course in come September. Okay, they're again thinking about the future. They're not overwhelmed by the future. And then there's all the day-to-day the -day stuff that people would say, I'm getting out of bed earlier, I'm eating better, I'm drinking less, uh, all these, I'm spending less money. All these things that would give you indication that people starting to get better, given where they were from, from the first session, but it's not really something I would, I'm, I'm tuned into goals and I have my own list in my head. Mm. I would always say patience will all guide you, so trust me, <laughs> you don't know where this is going. How do you establish those goals? You just get a better idea, think, what are people avoiding in their life? Mm. What are the things you avoid, so I'll get people sometimes to do it, avoidance list, all the things you're avoiding in your life that you think you want to address. I'm really avoiding it. <laughs> yeah. So avoidance, right? That's always a big indication when you get indications to how motivated or what people's goals are in their life. Yeah. As small as the avoidance or as, or as big as it is. When you have sort of anxious patients and you have the, the driven patients, the goal is to slow them down and help them less mm -hmm. than recover. I guess which is completely different than you cannot keep driving yourself and pushing yourself. Exactly. So that might be the goal is teaching people to relax. Yeah, which is for a lot of people quite hard, mm -hmm. quite difficult. Just to your goal is to sit and watch an episode of Friends for 22 minutes and sit in that chair, no phone, no nothing, and sit and watch an episode. And you cannot get up for a pee, you can't make a cup of tea, you can't do dishes. Well, I know people very much struggle with that. <laughs> yeah, there are lots of people who, yeah. who I work with who actually struggle to just sit and relax. Yeah, you just sit and be sit in the chair for five minutes and stare at the clock, stare at the wall, and do what? And do what do I have to do? I would just sit and be. It's a symptom of the bottom. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but I love smart, it. Smart, smartphones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love it. But that might be the problem itself, is the need to relax yeah. and rest and recover. Yeah. So it's, you know, we're not talking about goals in action point or doing. It might be just being might, might be the goal. It's yeah. a very different. And again, it depends on the, the individual. But goals are, I have no idea where it's going. They may not always know where it's going, but. And, and what I'll say to people is, you know, by the time you come to therapy, we're, we're, we are going to spend about a year here, give or take. So the first six months, we'll do the work. Hopefully six to nine, we'll probably kind of begin to space sessions out longer. Uh, every two weeks or something, you will then start to put the work in the place, probably six to nine, and then nine to 12, you'll actually probably have that awareness mm. of actually what is happening. But for the first six months, it's just getting people homework in between the sessions, take some childhood stuff. CBT is quite a proactive therapy, so the homework is the goals. I always make sure to give people homework in between the sessions. Yeah, you know who's, Chris is really good at that. 
What, giving homework? Or? Yeah, so one thing I've picked up off Chris is that your goal, he says to patients, your goal by next week is to be able to do 20 of those. Yeah. And just break it down. And it's not particularly you need to be able to do 20 of those so that you can then do this, mm. so that you can then do this and yeah. then you achieve your big goal. It's yeah. just in 10 days' time, when I see you again, you need to be able to do that. And I don't do it enough, but I do find that if, when I do do it, people come back to me and say, oh, look, I can do 20 of these. And I'm like, oh, that's right, I told you to do that last time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it does, it gives them some motivation. It gives them some direction. Um, I think if you, if you talk too early on about goals, Longer-term goals it probably stresses people out a little bit. Yeah, it sort of stresses yeah. people. People then focus on the outcome, not the process. You know, good, healthy goals are process goals, not outcome goals, right? They can't yeah, that. So the outcome goal is to get running, right? But I can't run again until I do my lunges and my squats. Okay? So that is that is the process goals, right? The process of the build to the the outcome, but we can't focus on the outcome. We have to focus on the process. Yeah. Uh, and the process is the here and now at this moment. What am I going to do to help me get to that place? If we talk about running or we talk about uh, being able to give a, a speech at work or a presentation at work, that's just going to stress people out too much. So in order for you to be able to give that presentation in two months' time, let's sort of focus on the here and now, this small thing. Yeah, the process to hear now. So what are you gonna do on a daily basis to so speak to a stranger in the street once once a day uh, between now and next week. You can ask them what time it is, where the tube station is, anything but speak to a person once a week. The next week then might be speak and look them in the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the question. <laughs> in yeah. a weird awkward way and then yeah. look towards something else. It's and getting as close as we can is to replicate the speech as we get closer to, to that goal. So for you, in, in your therapy, after you've done your assessment, might have taken you two sessions, like you've said, do you then seem to go, okay, in 12 months' time, I think this person can be here, but these are the little steps I know they have to take to get there. So you don't have that definite roadmap. Not really, because people change, things happen, circumstances change. Yeah. People might drop out, etc., etc. So it might just be. And I think if you, if you would say, "Well, this is what we want to get you to in twelve months," don't make fuck out of one of them. Therapy in a year's time. But I mean, I mean, not telling them, but inside your head, sort of, sort of. But not really. I'll probably just make it one week to week because things change in people's lives. You might see someone one week and then they've been signed off work from sick, or they've been signed off sick from work for the next week, and then you're dealing with different different issues as well. So just. Sort of not how I would work. Maybe other therapists work in that way, but it's not something that. And there's enough that always comes in most people's lives in a week that you've got enough, enough yeah. to work on. But you're always looking out for little cues as to whether people are getting better. And I guess it's sort of similar themes week on week. Is uh, I mean, there are threads. Yeah. Uh, definitely, but it's how's your week been? Okay, last week we spoke about this. How's your week been this week? Okay, uh, you're doing three days a week from now. Next week you're going to do four days a week. So what do we need to do to help energy levels be able to work four days a week? We've spoken about you being more assertive. So what are we going to do so when you then go back in the office in a month's time so that you can be more assertive and deal with your difficult boss who <laughs> you think is a bully but you don't stand up to? So how are we going to help you 
be able to deal with this person and not feel so not feel so overwhelmed. You probably get anxious when you're dealing with this person. That's part of it. But how are we then going to help you be able to say no to him if he asks you to do something? That might be that might be the goal. Say no to my boss. Yeah, and that might be in three weeks' time or something like that. I think those maybe I think what I've taken then from that is maybe smaller chunks, small chunks, bite-sized, achievable yeah, pieces. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. people just people generally know what the goal is themselves. Yeah. As well, they might not always verbalize it. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll know what the goal is themselves. Yeah. Uh, and I always say this is a bit like a you know, it's your mental health is probably like a really heavy backpack that you've been carrying around with loads of weights in it. And we'll take a little bit of weights out every week, every week. Hopefully the weights will come out. And at some days you, you will just feel a bit more carefree. Uh, as opposed to happy. Happy doesn't really tell us too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't live in Disneyland, unfortunately. <laughs> so carefree would be a better word. Carefree, carefree more often in your life than weighed down by your anxiety all your life. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of what we're aiming for. But yeah. Without sounding too hippish. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, that, like for us, we've probably pushed and told a little bit more to be goal oriented, aren't we? Yeah, but I think a lot of our goals are based around, you know, it takes this long for this to heal. Yeah. It takes that long for that to heal. So we yeah. know it's going to take this amount of time for you to get to this point. So, you know, some of it is a little bit more definitive. Yeah. You know, we know, do you hear really know effective time scope? So I think it, it leads to us being a little bit more time orientated and, and specific, I guess sort of specific in that respect. And just nice guidelines around treatment of depression, treatment of anxiety, and OCD. So you can guide a little bit by that, but again, you can't just put someone in sort of 16 to 20 sessions for OCD, nice guidelines. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess the other thing is for something mental health related it's probably going to be more a lot of ongoing management as well and arming people with tools for the rest of their lives to, to look after their mental health and things like that. Where for a lot of our things, you know, you have the 12 weeks, you do your exercises, your injury goes away and you sort of go about it. Yeah. And, and much you know as, some things that you might use before sport to kind of activate things and da-da-da-da, yeah. but... And it's not a day-to-day immersive type yeah. of something. And I, and I would still see patients I have now that I've been seeing for, say, three or four years. But I would have one session every six weeks with some type thing, just a sort of follow-up session, yeah. check-in. And that's up to the patient. Keep them on track. Keep them on track. And people like just knowing they can, in six weeks, so this issue's come up and we can dissect it a bit. So yes, and we get that too. Like, we get a lot of people who've had back operations and things who we try and, you know, they used to do hardcore or barriers or something like that, we try and encourage them back to that and then they might come and check in every six to eight weeks, just yeah. have a one-to-one and then crack on again and then... Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. All right. That is an hour and a half. Whoa. That's gone. It's gone really quickly. Got a lot out of that. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. A bit of reflection for me to be done, I think, mm. after today, which is, which is really good. I, I enjoyed that quite a lot. If people want to get in touch with you, what's yep. the best way to get in touch? Uh, they can look, they can find me on the BABCP website, yep. UKCP website, or they can just Google me. Okay. And my details will come up. Uh, Donovan, so Donovan Pyle. Pyle, spelled with a Y. P-Y-L-E, yeah. Yep. P-Y-L-E, yep. Perfect. Are you on any of the socials or anything like that? Uh, 
yes, Instagram. Okay. Um, I watched The Social Dilemma last night. Have you seen that? Yeah, oh, it's a new Netflix documentary. Social Dilemma. Yeah, it's Good. really interesting. Good. It's about basically manipulation through technology. Ooh, I'll watch that. Mm, really sure that you enjoy that. Sure If you want to get in contact with us here at the Complete Health Podcast, uh, my email address is reese at complete-physio.co.uk and Helen's email address is helen at complete-pilates.co.uk. We're also on Instagram at Complete Health Podcast, which is all one word. That concludes episode 15 of the Complete Health Podcast, the last of our three-part series with Donovan. In the coming weeks, we have a fantastic array of guests and topics, including a COVID special series with respiratory physio Emily Lockwood, foot specialist physio Jane Baker, and neuroscience expert Dr. Mike Todorovic. For For another another week, week, stay stay healthy and and goodbye. goodbye.